God's Word in John chapter 3. Last week, boy, we looked at a just glorious passage in John 3.16 through John 3.21. And we just looked at that clear gospel message and probably the most memorized Bible verse in the Bible. And boy, that's a good one to be the most memorized, right? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever or for whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you said it along with me in your mind? It's about everyone, right? And, and we looked at that clear message that, that God does love the world, all the world, and He loved us when we were in rank rebellion against Him. And He loved us so much and that He sent His Son, and we saw that Jesus willingly came. He lived a sinless life. And when it talks about giving His Son, it was Jesus going to the cross for us and taking the wrath to us and the condemnation that we are under in our sin. And he who knew no sin became sin for us, laid down his life for us, and then praise God on the third day, he took it back up and conquered sin, death, and Satan. And we saw that it says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes upon him, puts their faith in Jesus, has everlasting life. And this morning, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, can you say amen to that? Then listen, you are no longer under condemnation. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? And we talked about that, how Jesus fulfilled the law. And through the law of the life of Christ, he was sin-free. Now we are under grace. But if he is not your Lord and Savior, then you are under the law of God and you are under condemnation. And Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. So we looked at that last week. And this morning, we come here to John 3, 22 through 36. And we're going to see once again John the Baptist. And we see Jesus' ministry uh, increasing. And we see John the Baptist, who we've talked so much about here at the beginning of John. Remember, John's ministry was to make way the straight of the Lord. And his ministry was prophetic. It was prophesied that one would come in the spirit of Elijah to make the announcement that the Messiah is coming. Well, now the Messiah has come. The Messiah's earthly ministry has begun. He's going to go to the cross soon. And now John's ministry begins to decrease as Jesus's ministry here on earth increases and in the course of this we're going to see this morning John being tempted to jealousy in fact we're going to see even some of John's disciples walking in jealousy and John's perspective and John not taking the bait to jealousy but instead rejoicing in the in in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and in abounding and so forth and boy there's a lot of application for us because does anyone in the room ever get jealous because we see this, this can happen even in ministry. This can happen just in life. And boy, John's perspective as a spirit God moved in his life is just, it, it's just teaching that we need. And then again in this, we're going to see that in Christ we have everlasting life. But outside of Christ, the wrath of God rests upon all those that are in that place. So let's just start again. Lord willing, we'll look at verse 22 through uh, 36. But I want to start by reading verse 22 through 30. And then we'll read 31 through 36 when we get there and finish out the chapter again, Lord willing. Verse 22, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Enon and Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, 
to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Notice the exclamation point. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless that has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been set before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, again, it starts with after these things. And we know the previous chapter, we had seen Jesus after being up in Galilee, going to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread, to keep the Passover. And we talked about that, how Jesus Christ completely kept the law. Part of the law was three times a year for three different feasts. Every Israeli man had to go to Jerusalem to keep those feasts. And Jesus kept all of those feasts. Jesus kept the law perfectly. In fact, if he hadn't perfectly kept the law, he couldn't have died for our sins, but he perfectly kept it. In fact, Jesus himself declared in Matthew 5, 17, don't think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And we just kind of touched on that in our introduction this morning, that we're under the law of God, and the law of God shows us we are sinners. Jesus Christ came and he perfectly fulfilled the law in every way. And not only in everything that he did, but in everything he didn't do. And always he was tempted, but he didn't sin. And part of what he did in keeping the law was, again, perfectly keeping all those feasts. And he went to Passover every time it was required of him and kept Passover. And then, praise God, eventually he fulfilled Passover and that he is the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. We also know, again, the after this includes that long interaction we've seen in the first half here of John 3 with Nicodemus, this Pharisee who came to the Lord by night. And the Lord explaining to him that unless you are born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Remember, Nicodemus marveled at that because he thought by his good works and just being a Jew, he would see the kingdom of God. And the Lord really showed him, again, you're a sinner and you need the Savior and faith in the Savior to save you. And again, when we come to Christ, we are born again. We're a new creation in Christ. And indeed, we'll see eternal life. Notice again, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. So now Jesus, again, has moved from Galilee to Jerusalem, and now he's going east of Jerusalem. This area of Enon and Siloam, it is basically located somewhere between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea along the Jordan River. And there's a lot of different claims to exactly where that is. In fact, you can look at the different maps, and some people say, well, Salim is here. Others say it's here. And a lot of that really comes down to tourism in Israel. <laughs> because there's a lot of places we exactly know where they are. And there's other places where they don't know. And really, the kind of Jewish mind is, well, you got your tradition. We got ours. And so that's okay. And, you know, uh, a lot of it comes down to that. But praise God, the day's coming when they will fully abandon tradition and fully put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's prophetic. And that is you know, a day soon to come. So that's where they went over. Notice his disciples came with him. And that's a phrase we could just kind of skip by, but there's a truth here. Listen, disciples of Jesus need to follow after Jesus. Jesus went from Galilee to Jerusalem. Then he goes out here to Siloam. And where do we see his disciples? We see them walking with them. We see them 
going with Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And that should be the case for us. Are we following after Jesus? And we know as disciples of Jesus, it's easy to drift from the Lord at times, isn't it? It's easy at times even to push him away. It's easy to get in that place where our eyes aren't on him, but on something else. And I ask you this morning, who are you really following today? Who are your eyes on? Who's your master passion? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? And listen, if you've been sidetracked, if you've been rabbit trailed, take note of that. Be honest with the Lord. Get your eyes back upon him because he is the giver of life and life abundant. Now, beautifully, again, his disciples came with them. And then it says he remained with them. Again, we have a call to follow after Christ. Sometimes we stray from following him. But you know what the good news is? He never strays from us. He remained with them. And he declared there in Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And we're near the end of the age. And as followers of Christ, he is with us always. He says, amen, or so be it. That's the truth on this. I'm so glad it doesn't say, he didn't say, and lo, I'll kind of be around. Or, or, or lo, you know what, uh, I'll be there for the most part. Or lo, just guys, know that I'm busy, and you won't see much of me, but I'll be coming soon. Aren't you glad that he's with us till the end of the age, that he's even faithful when we're faithless? He's faithful to knock on the door when we get lukewarm and say, hey, I'm right here. Open the door. Let's dine together. He's faithful to leave the 99 behind when we stray to go find us as those lost sheep and say, prodigal son, prodigal daughter, it's time to come home. He's faithful to correct us and he's faithful to bless us and he's such a good God. And let's just rejoice in that this morning. He's with us till the end of the age. And then notice here it says, uh, they they remain with him or with Jesus and then baptize. They baptize. And then it says, John was also baptizing an Enon named near Silim, so they're all in the same place. And, you know, the Bible is very practical. Why are they all in the same place? Well, because there was a lot of water there, right? If you wanted to baptize right now, listen, there's some places with a lot of water. You'd probably be better off going where there's a lot of water to baptize versus no water, right? So it's very practical here. And so, again, it's Jesus' disciples baptizing. It's not Jesus. In fact, John 4, 2 tells us that it was Jesus' disciples baptizing. John was baptizing, and John's disciples were baptizing. And th- this was, again, that baptism of John. It was the confession of sin because the Messiah had, again, come into the world. Now, again, Jesus had not died on the cross and been resurrected yet. So, again, it was looking forward to the fulfillment of that, but it was the confession. I'm a sinner, and I need the Savior. That's John's baptism. And so that's what's going on here. And then notice here, it says on the last verse, part of verse 23, and they came and were baptized. And it seems the context here is that, you know what, John's disciples and the bulk of the crowd there, they were coming to Jesus to be baptized. And the context will play this out. The context will show us this, that, you know what, Jesus's ministry was increasing and getting larger. And now John's that had been this phenomenal ministry remember he was out in the wilderness and people were coming by droves out there it was so unorthodox you know men wouldn't do it this way again the guy has camel hairs on a leather bat belt he's eating locust and honey you know he's a he's a nazarite so he's just got probably long crazy hair i know he didn't have a blow dryer and styling gel out there and whatnot i i I really know he didn't have a man bun you know this is john the baptist out there 
And they're coming out there by the thousands. Remember, the Pharisees even went out to say, you know, what's, what's going on out here? And, and now all of a sudden it's dwindling and all of a sudden it's shrinking. And listen, for the carnal-minded, man, this would be devastating. It would it, be seeing all of this fading away before you. And, and so listen, some of what John's being, been preaching is going to be tested now. And what John's disciples have been preaching. Because why are they out there? They're saying, hey, we're here to make the way of the Messiah. Well, the Messiah showed up, but now the Messiah's ministry is abounding. And there's this beginning to shrink. And so everything they're saying is going to be tested. We get tested in these ways too. We're to be all about Jesus, right? It's supposed to be about him. He's supposed to be Lord. Not supposed to be about us first. It's about him first. And the beautiful thing, when he's first, when we humble our heart, he exalts us, but our flesh resists that. We get tested in these areas. Now, again, when all this was happening, we, we, we see here in verse 24, John had not yet been thrown into prison. And we're going to see in John's life, again, he goes from uh, being this miracle baby with his parents, you know, past the age to conceive to being filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Remember, rejoicing in his mother's womb when Mary shows up with Jesus in her, her womb. John's about six months older to this call of the Nazarite to, again, this phenomenal abounding ministry and so forth to now his ministry dwindling and being smaller and smaller. And then he goes from, again, and we'll see Jesus calling him the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets to eventually being thrown into prison. And notice the wording here. It says John had not been thrown into prison. That's aggressive wording here. It doesn't say John had not yet had his rights read to him. John had not yet been gently put in the back of the squad car. John had not yet, you know, been able to make his call to his lawyer and his legal team showed up. John had not yet been incarcerated, you know, with all, the, all of the perks of three meals a day and cable television and a weight room. It doesn't say any of that. He hadn't been thrown into prison. And he would be violently thrown into prison because in all of this, we're going to see John was unwavering in the proclamation of the gospel. And he'd stand there before King Herod and he would say, listen, what you're doing is unlawful. You have married your brother's wife, Herodias, and both of you are in adultery. Both of you have transgressed the law and you need to repent. You need to put your faith on the Messiah to get forgiven and to get washed. Remember, Herodias would be infuriated, and then eventually she'd be able to get the call of, of, of anything she wanted, and she'd say, John the Baptist, head on the platter, and Herod, being a coward and a man-pleaser, would give her that, even though he knew it was wrong. He'd be thrown into prison. And listen, again, John was there proclaiming Christ, and one thing we see throughout the Bible, have you noticed throughout the Bible, there's a lot of prisoners. There's a lot of people thrown into prison for their faith in the Lord. Old Testament and New Testament, you see it over and over and over again, this reoccurring theme of these people are criminals. These people are a blight on the face of the earth. We need to incarcerate them for their sins and transgressions. And listen, those things aren't just there for us to read about and say, oh, wow, those are things there that, that are, are even to get us to count the cost of following Christ and even to know the time could come when I'm incarcerated or I'm arrested for putting my faith in Jesus Christ. We know in our world today there's, there's more persecution on Christians than any other time in the history of the world. And that day may come to us where we're put to the test. 
You know, so we want to be a people abounding in the Lord. In fact, Jesus said about the end of days in Matthew 24, 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. We need to be aware of that. And it's all the more we want to be walking with him today. Amen. Verse 25. It says, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Now, a lot of people read this and they say, oh, those Jews, they came and made a, you know, a dispute with John's disciples. But listen, John's disciples are named first here. Some even believe it's translated wrong and it it shouldn't say the Jews, but a Jew. And there's some that even believe that maybe that Jew is Nicodemus. And this argument came over purification, over baptism, what they were doing. And again, the context really seems to play out that a Jew or some Jews went out there to John's disciples and they said basically, hey, what's going on here? We thought you guys had the message of purification, but now they're all going over to this Jesus who just showed up. And then notice next, instead of them just saying, yes, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're from earth. He's from heaven. He's from God. Get over there. We see that they took the bait and these disciples of John really moved into a place of jealousy because of pride. They were no longer the big show. It was becoming a little bitty tiny show because notice what they said in verse 26. Then they came to John and said to him, Rabbi. John's disciples would say, Rabbi, you're our teacher, Rabbi. He who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing. And notice here, Oh, we're coming to him! The exclamation point. John, you, you are the man, and this, this guy, this Jesus character shows up, who you made famous. And now they're all going, they're all going over there. This is a temptation before John. You know, John, again, is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, but he's still just flesh and blood. Listen, we're going to get tested in these areas all the time as well. Is ministry really about me or is it about him? Is it about my name or the name of the Lord? Do we rejoice when we see God using others greatly as Jesus being exalted or we cringe and they say, hey, wait about me, you know, I want to be the big show. This happens in everyday life. Listen, do we get jealous when others are blessed with increase? Do we say, that's not fair, that should be mine? Boy, we'd all stand up and say, we don't do that, right? Thou shalt not covet. We'd all agree with it, wouldn't we? We'd all say, yeah, it's about Jesus, not about me. But boy, we get put to the test all the time. I'll be honest with you, there's times I fail that test. And we got to step back and be honest and deal with truth and bring that before the Lord and just say, God, my flesh is acting up again. Forgive me, God. Help me in this. Give me the right perspective. I know life's found in you, but there is a war being waged right now in my mind and my heart. We got to die to those things. We got to recognize again, and John will bring it out. We are just of the earth. We are dust, and God has given us life, and God gives what he wants to who he wants it, and he has blessed us abundantly. Let's be thankful for our blessings. He gifts us appropriately. We're just responsible for those gifts. Absolutely, there is so much to rejoice in. We got to get our minds fixed in these things because, again, our flesh resists these things, and our world absolutely preaches a different message. 
Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. Praise God for John's answer. John basically was saying, I'm only here because of God. I'm just here delivering God's message. He's saying, I got nothing to boast in. I, I, I got no reason for jealousy because everything I have here is given to me from God. That's God right there. Who am I to be jealous of God? And again, it's true across the board. We don't even have really a right to move into that place of being jealous or comparing because everything I have and everything anyone else has is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who makes you differ from another and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And there's no boasting in John. John doesn't start in, well, you know what? At our high point, it's still higher than where Jesus is. And then we'll see, we'll see if he can, you know what, uh, to, to see if he can defeat our numbers. And by the way, guys, everyone huddle up. We got a new plan. We're going seeker sensitive. <laughs> we're, we're bringing in some fog machines and we're hiring professional musicians. And boy, we're going to bring them out here by the droves. In fact, we're, we're going to move into town too. And we're getting in a place where, you know what, it's going to be highlighted. Come out and have a good time. Listen, John knew his reward would come from obedience to God. Over from praise for men and a following for men and acknowledgement for men and so forth. Uh, he knew that, again, seeking man's praise and so forth, it was absolutely a vain pursuit. And listen, on all of this, there would be a pretty huge reward for John. Again, he'd be the last of the Old Testament prophets. He would be the prophet to, again, Roll out the red carpet for Jesus Christ when all the Old Testament prophets were about pointing the Christ is coming, the Christ is coming. And John's in that place where, again, he gets to roll out the, co- the red carpet and says, here's the Christ. And Jesus would say about him, Matthew 11, 11, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And he's saying he's the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. That's a pretty awesome reward. I think if he would have blown his trumpet and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's about me. Again, the Bible talks about the Pharisees who blow their trumpet when they give a tithe or when they fast. And the Lord says, they have the reward right there. And John didn't take the bait. Oh, Lord, help us not to take the bait. Verse 28, 29, John continues. He says, you yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears and rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this, therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Again, he's not taking the bait. He doesn't foolishly grandstand for a few kudos from these men. He makes it clear as possible. I've told you guys, I'm not the Christ. Remember, they came asking him, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? No, I'm none of those. I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. I'm sent to announce the coming Messiah. You know what's kind of crazy in this? Is that the Messiah was there and they were coming out to John because he had the words of, again, life in that be baptized because the Messiah is about to come and now the Christ is there and there's still men gravitating to John over Jesus. Why were they with John in the first place then? Are they posers there? Was it more about being about the big thing? 
or was because, hey, listen, the Messiah is coming, so we're all looking. As soon as he comes, we're going to go like a mob over here to Jesus. Again, Christ was there, but they're still gravitating to John over him. And it seems, you know, that I think the Bible brings this out. There's, there's a lot of this today. You see a lot of in Christianity. It's a day of like celebrities in Christianity. It's really weird. And these celebrities, and, and they get big followings. And listen, I know there's some of them that are sound Bible teachers. But boy, there's a lot of them that aren't. They don't give a clear gospel message. And for some reason, men flock to them. And, and it's a sad sight when you see men following men instead of men following him. But it's prophesied because 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And what you got is flesh unto flesh versus deep unto deep. And saying, listen, come out, we're going to give you a fleshly message. That this Bible's all about you and you, again, having all the comforts of life right now. Let's help figure out how to give you a better personality and figure out how, you know, you can take steps to advancement in your job and all that. And listen, I, I want a better personality myself. And, and if the Lord wants to advance me, that's good. But this needs to be about Jesus first. This is about we're sinners and we need the Savior and our time's short. And pursuing Him. And let's make sure, again, we're, we're following Jesus and, and, and not personalities. Now, again, John uses an illustration here about a wedding. Can you, listen, can you imagine going to a wedding and seeing the best man trying to steal the show? That'd be an ugly sight, wouldn't it? Here's the bride and the bridegroom. It's their big day. Listen, it's called the big day because it's the big day, right? All the money poured into that thing. All of the effort and so forth. God's brought these two together. They're coming together for holy matrimony again. What a glorious scene. And all of a sudden, the best man shows up to try to steal the show. Hey, everyone, look at me over here. You know, the, the pastor's doing the ceremony. He's over here doing magic tricks or something. <laughs> you'd be disgusted by it, wouldn't you? Back of your mind, you'd be saying, listen, someone needs to get this guy out of here. And again, he's, he's just all over and over. Hey, look at me, though. Look at me. Check me out over here. And John uses that illustration. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. And in this, my joy is fulfilled. Because this is all about Christ. And again, John's life had been about this all his life, from the womb to that call to the wilderness, to the vow of the Nazarite, to baptizing Christ and the Father speaking out, this is my son whom I will please. As the Holy Spirit came upon him and seeing his disciples leave him for Jesus, this was you know, he says, my joy is fulfilled in this. This is what it's all about. And we got to remember this as well. You know what we're blessed though? Listen, do you know how blessed you are this morning and that John was the friend of the bridegroom? But you know who you are as a follower of Christ? You're the bride. And that's why Jesus goes on to say when he says, Born among women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But he says he's the least in the kingdom of God because he got to usher in Christ. We're in that place, though, where we were brought in this world after the fulfillment of the cross. 
The Holy Spirit came upon John, but through faith in Christ, again, we get sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. We're the bride of Christ. The Lord's laid down his life for us. Again, one day we're going to go to heaven and we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be better than any wedding you've ever been to. He loves you so much. He laid down his life for you. And then John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And John knew this was the prophetic plan. He wasn't the Christ. He wasn't the Savior. He came here to make the announcement that Jesus is here. So he's rejoicing. The plan's unfolding perfectly. God's plan is perfectly unfolding as it always does. But I'd encourage you to underline verse 30 in your Bible or memorize it. Because not only was this, again, the prophetic plan perfectly unfolding. Listen, this verse is a key, a key to abundant life and, and a key to victory over sin. Notice he doesn't say, I must decrease and he must increase. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. When your eyes are on the Lord first, boy, good things happen. Most believers I know, they, they, they want to get away from sin. They want to suppress it. I mean, we live in a world where there's just so many things that get a snare and a hold on us. And I think oftentimes we make the mistake, we're so focused in on that sin, we don't got our eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Sow the things of God in your heart. That's how you bear fruits of the Holy Spirit, not focusing in on the sin. It's not to say that we can feed the sin. And we got to acknowledge sin as sin we, we, we've been called to forsake iniquity but as our eyes are on him listen the bible says whatever man sows he's going to reap and if your eyes are on christ if you're in the word you're a man of woman of worship and praise and you're growing in him that brings forth the fruit of the holy spirit in your life and i think there's a lot of well-meaning christians that even love the lord and they're just so frustrated with their practical sin they just get so focused on it and you run into them and how's it going brother and they just say, i got this sin i got to get rid of this sin and praise god they want to get rid of that practically and we should acknowledge those things that are there but man get your eyes on jesus get god's the psalmist said your word i've hidden in my heart that i won't sin against you he doesn't say i focus on my sin and say don't do it so i don't sin against god he said no i get his word in my heart as he increases, we'll decrease. And listen, as we decrease, we won't lose life. We're going to gain life. The writer of Hebrews puts this real clear. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of a witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race that is set before us. How do we do that? Well, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How do we put that down? Look unto Jesus. He must increase. Is he increasing in your life? Let me ask you, do you want him to increase? Can we say amen to that? Now notice 31 through 36. And listen, there's a few ideas. Some think this is John the Baptist speaking. Others think that Again, John the Apostle's written these things, and now John the Apostle is writing the rest of the chapter. We, we don't know for sure, but one thing we do know is the Holy Spirit moved upon men, and we do know John the Apostle recorded these things, and these are absolute truths. So verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. 
He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. Notice here, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's the only place the word wrath is used in the Gospel of John. I think it puts even all the more of an emphasis on the word. So verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And this is a declaration, again, uh, John the Baptist, John the Apostle, whichever one's writing it, them getting it. I'm just dust. I'm, I'm from the earth. But he has come from heaven. And again, he's, he's above all. We got to remember that. How often are we tempted again with that temptation that came to Adam? Eat of the tree, you'll be like God. And, and I, I don't think most of us go around thinking we're God, but how many times do we strive for glory over God? And we got to remember, I'm just from earth. I'm, I'm dust that God took and breathed life into. Because if you go back to even you being formed in your mother's womb and you go back far enough, guess where it starts? With God taking dirt and making Adam. I'm, I'm earthly. I'm from the earth. Listen, he's above all, as it says here. He's above all as God. He's above all in all his ways. He's above God, above us in all his thoughts. Again, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, we're of earth, we're of heaven. He's of heaven. He doesn't share his glory with us. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will give, I will not give to another, nor my praise to car images. And we're fools to try to strive for that glory over God. And at the same time, amazingly, he says, humble your heart in the sight of the Lord, and what will God do? He'll lift you up. It takes a step of faith for that, though, right? It takes being truthful with yourself in regards to these things. Where am I with these things? Notice 32. And what he has seen and heard, he testified, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. So again, it's that proclamation. Jesus Christ absolutely speaks eternal truth. His word is everlasting, 100% truth. Everything he spoke on earth, everything in God's word, again, is what he has seen and heard in heaven. It's 100% true. And then he says, no man receives or no one receives his testimony. Again, that's the picture of us in our sin. Go read Romans 3, 10 through 18. In fact, we'll just read it here. This is what it says about us. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
that's a breakdown of us outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come from heaven, though. And then 33, it says, who has received his testimony is certified that God is true. And again, it's saying, we haven't received his testimony on our own, but who's received it? The Father. Again, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and a voice came from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father certified that Jesus' ministry was and is true. It's certified. And then in us, in this rebellion, this is where the Holy Spirit comes, and we talked about it last week. He comes and convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He seeks after us. And then that's when the decision is made on our part. Will I come to the light? Again, again, looked at it at the, the end of last week's message there. Or do I love darkness instead? Now notice verse 34. He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. And we can make a small application here. How do you know who is a minister of God? Well, he speaks the word of God. He preaches the word. We just read that part about men will come and, and they, they won't endure sound doctrine. Well, before that, it says in 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and dead at his appearing of his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. And then 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's how we test things. Is the word being taught? Is it being rightly divided? Then in Titus, it says adorn yourself with the word of God. Is the aim to practice these things and so forth. That's just a small application. The big proclamation here is this is about Jesus. Jesus spoke and speaks the word of God every time he speaks. Throughout his ministry on earth, he always spoke the word of God. Our Bible is the word of God. And if we're going to be disciples, again, Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So again, Jesus spoke the word of God And he did that on earth, even though he was always 100% God, but he did that on earth as a man, how? Through the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Again, God does not give the Spirit by measure. What's this mean here? It's easy to skip over that. I I don't know if I really get what's being said there. What this is saying is, again, that Jesus, when he was on earth, again, we know he was God. We know he was man. And as man... The Holy Spirit wasn't given to him in measure. The Holy Spirit wasn't portioned out. But he walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit everywhere that he went. There's a great application for us here. We got to recognize our need to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to Romans 8, 5 through 8, if if you want to see your great need for this. For those who live according to the flesh shut their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Notice here. For to be carnally minded is death. I, I don't want death. Do you want death? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That sounds a lot better, right? 
because the carnal mind is enemy against God or it's an enemy of God for it does not subject itself to the law of God nor indeed can be so then those who are the flesh cannot please God think about this here and I think this really ties into what we looked at in the first part of our passage here God wants to fully fill us with the Spirit of God daily without measure. The problem is we often limit the work of the Spirit because we're not willing to first fully be emptied. Think about it. You can only fully fill something if you first fully empty it. If you take a barrel and you say, hey, we got to fill up water with this and it's got all kinds of stuff in it, you're going to have less water in that barrel, right? And the stuff in that barrel is even going to have an effect on the water in it. How many times do we say, oh, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, overflow me. But we're not willing to first empty ourselves out. God's not going to empower sin, works of the flesh, our efforts, and so forth. This all takes a step of faith. In fact, even in Acts 2, they'd already been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, go wait on high, or Jerusalem, from power upon high, for the baptism of the Spirit. And then two chapters later, they're baptized with the Spirit again. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to question, you know, what the, the people saying, you know, we want this. And Peter said to him in Acts 2, 38, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you, your children, and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. And there's a twofold application here. Repent. Again, and the proclamation of that is through water baptism. And you get the sealing of the Spirit of God. But daily, if you want to be filled, listen, you got to be willing to be empty. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, God. I don't want to make provision for this stuff. I want to call it what it is. I want to be filled. And how can we be filled if we're not willing to be emptied? And think about it. Jesus was fully emptied for us all the way to the cross of Calvary. But so often, we are so full of ourselves, our sin, our vain pursuits, it's a wonder that there's any room at all for the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And listen, it's all of our flesh. It's the flesh nature. It absolutely is. That's why Paul said, I got to die daily. The apostle Paul said, I got to die daily. I got to be empty daily. Help us in this, Lord. Verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Remember we read in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And some of these say, oh, that's not a loving father. He sent his son to the cross. No, Jesus willingly went. And it says the father loves the son. And notice, he's given all things into his hand. So again, an evidence the father loves the son. He says, I'm gonna give all things into your hands. And think about it. The Father gave all things into the hands of the Son, and those very hands that the Father gave all things into, what? Those hands were pierced for us. God never calls us to anything He didn't first do Himself. Verse 36. And boy, this breaks it down real clear here, doesn't it? With all that we looked at here in John 3, it comes down to this. 
He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Do you believe in him? Again, we've talked about it. It's not, it's not talking about believing that Jesus was some historical figure. You know, yeah, I believe in George Washington, there was a Napoleon, and yeah, there was, there was a guy named Jesus. It's not that. It's believing upon him. It's, it's believing in him as the Lord of your life. It's, it's saying, I'm a sinner running around as my own Lord. I need to be forgiven. And I want Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm asking you to be Lord. I'm, I'm professing, be the Lord of my life. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. Again, when we come to that place, we go from under that condemnation because we've transgressed God's law to now I'm putting my hope in Christ. Now I am under the blood of Jesus and I'm under grace. And I'm acceptable in the sight of God. Even though I have dirty feet at times with practical sin, positionally I'm right with God. And that's why I can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in my time of need through what Jesus has done. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Listen, there's also a truth here practically we believe in him for everlasting life and then daily as we walk by faith we have abundant life when we trust in the lord as our faith grows and the abundant life he speaks of is again the fruits of the spirit of god an empowered life in christ he who does not believe in the son shall not see life but the wrath of god abides on him Again, if we want to continue in unbelief, if we want to be our own Lord, if we don't want to trust in Jesus, then we are under the law of God and the wrath of God abides on those that are under the law of God. They're under condemnation. Why? Because we've all transgressed it. And God's standard is utter perfection and we utterly fell in keeping that law every single day. Over and over and over and over again. They're not going to see life. The life he speaks of here again is everlasting life in heaven versus the second death where people will enter into a place that Jesus talked about all the time called hell. They won't see life. They won't see it at all. Why? Because again, the wrath of God abides on them. It rests upon them. What a horrible place to be. Notice here as well, listen, there's no, there's no gray area. It's black and white, isn't it? You believe in the sun, you have everlasting life. You don't believe in the sun, you won't see life. You have the wrath of God on you. We only see two options here. We only see two options throughout God's word. It seems like we're living in a day, though, where, boy, a lot of people are kind of proclaiming this safe gray area. Well, if you got faith in something, you're okay. Well, he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. He's not his Lord. But boy, he's spiritual and believes in God, so he, you know, he must be all right. You don't see that gray area in God's word. This is black and white. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, he who is not with me is against me. No gray area. You're either with me or you're against me. I'm either your Lord or I'm not your Lord. You're either under grace you're under the law 
you're there under wrath. Or you have everlasting life. Real clear. Stand up and pray. Those in worshiping the Lord. Lord God, we bless you this morning. We just praise you. Thank you for who you are. Lord, we desperately need your help in all of these areas, God. We need more faith. I hope and pray, God, that through this Bible study, our faith has grown. You said faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I know, Lord, there's times we can hear but not hear. We can hear, but we're like, oh, I'm not going to receive that. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that today, Lord, Lord, we, we, have, we have really heard and received this truth, God. Again, increase our faith, trust in you to, to recognize I'm just of earth, but you're of heaven. And it's about you, God. Lord, help us to be found sowing more of the things of the Lord into our hearts, God. Even in the midst of the busyness of the day, and Lord, there's times we have to be focused in on things, and yet in all that, Lord, you're with us, and I want to pray you help us with that. Listen, if you're here today and you haven't called on Jesus Christ, there's nothing more important than your soul, your eternity. The Bible says our time here on earth is very, very short. Eternity lasts forever, though. Have you called on his name? Is he your Lord and Savior? Listen, if he's not, there's good news. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Today the Lord wants to meet you where you are. Be your Lord and your God. I'd encourage you today to call on him. It's time to repent. It's time to call sin, sin. Ask Jesus to forgive you and say, Lord, I want to turn from this. I want to trust in you. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, he'll meet you absolutely right where you are. He wants to. Listen, he's for you. He laid down his life for you. He's long-suffering. He's wanting to see you come to that place of salvation. No matter what you've done, no matter what you brought in, no matter how ugly it is. It's amazing. Go read the word and see how many scoundrels the Lord scours and washes by his blood. Listen, if this morning you're here and you're saying, Steve, I, I, I put my faith in him. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my God. I, I, I want to ask if you'd let me just lead you in a simple prayer affirming that. Again, I always say it's not not a prayer that saves us, it's faith in the Lord, but the Bible speaks about calling out to Him and confessing Him and, and calling on the Lord. Let's call on the Lord together. And if you know the Lord, I want to invite you to pray with any that would be just saying this prayer for the first time or maybe just saying, I need to settle it. Just pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm under your wrath. And I want to be saved. I want to be washed. 
I put my faith in you, Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave to give me life. Wash me. Cleanse me. Be my Lord and my Savior all of my days. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, just just any God that would be praying that prayer, Lord, this morning for for the first time or just settling it, God. Absolutely, Lord, we pray right now again. We stand in that promise. Seal them with your spirit, God, and we pray, God, that you would just overflow their cup with the spirit of God. Lord, do a great work. Give them a great hunger for you and your word. God, shine your face on them immensely, God. Help us to finish well. We want to worship you and praise you. Let's lift our voices to the Lord here.
listen, we got 39 minutes till the next service starts, so encourage you to stick around a little bit. Encourage someone, bless someone. Uh, maybe go have a cup of coffee. That sound good? And uh, you know, the altar's open up. If you want to come pray up here, have someone pray with you, encourage you to do that. And I just pray that God just blesses you today and just greatly shines his voice, uh, his, his voice and his, you know, face upon you. John said, I rejoice to hear his voice. Remember the resurrection Sunday invites, and, and there's gospel tracks out there as well. We want to be sharing these with people, and the, the time's short. Let's be about his business. So God bless you in the Lord Jesus.